listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Good morning. My name is Kaya Bevilacqua. I have the honor of being married to Pastor Joe. And that story that he told about that $5 bill, 100% true. I still have that, and it still means a great deal to me. So it's still located in my jewelry box. And uh, so that was a true story that I wanted to confirm. But when I told our kids, we have four kids, and when I told them that I was going to be preaching, that mom and dad were switching today, they thought that was so cool and asked that I would extend a message to all of you. They say, tell everybody we said hi. So hi from Aurelio, Jackie, Franco, and Vera. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Speaking of moms, um, did you guys see that awesome setup that we have out there with the balloons and the flowers? Yes. Right. So... I am so proud of our team, and when I say team, I mean my two sisters. Uh, They spent so much time thinking about how to honor our moms, and so if you would, please, make sure you stop out there and take a picture, post it on Facebook so we can see it. We we love that kind of stuff, so please do that. But speaking of moms, um, I feel like there's a special word for you guys, just real quick before we get started. Um, I know that there are many of you in this room who don't have a relationship with their mom, Or maybe your mom is in heaven, and so a day like today can be maybe difficult or you just don't like today at all. And and I understand. Uh, My mom's been in heaven since I was 24, and so I know what it's like for it to kind of be like, you want to celebrate, I'm a mom, but like, you miss your mom. And so I have spent many years just like, there was a deficit in my life. I really wanted a mama to come around and get behind me and tell me how to do stuff I didn't know how to do and help me with all these kids. Like, how do you navigate this, right? I need help. And so I prayed and I prayed and I prayed, and God, please help me with this. I was so desperate to have some women come along me, and I couldn't believe how God took care of it for me. He used the local church. And so I want to encourage you, if you're feeling any of those uh, ways that I mentioned just a second ago, that God wants to meet your relational needs through the local church. And I know this because he's done it, he's done it for me. I actually think of several women coming to my mind. I think of Cindy Skibby. Aunt Cindy is what we call her. Yes, woo-woo is right. My kids love Cindy Skibby. They call her Auntie Cindy. And Cindy takes them on more field trips than I do. Like, they do way more fun stuff with, with her than they do with me. We love Auntie Cindy. And I think of just, wow, what a need that was met in my life through my own church. I think of a couple of weeks ago, I was walking to get my husband out of his office, and there was this beautiful box outside of the door, and it said Vera on it. And it was wrapped so beautiful, I didn't even want to touch it. I was like, I just want to leave it exactly like this. But I opened it up, and it was anonymous, but inside... There were beautiful dresses hand-sewn for Vera with matching hats and little bloomers. Yes, that's exactly what I did. I was, oh, I was blown away. See, I don't have a grandma to do those kinds of things for me, and I don't have a mom to do those kinds of things for me. And so this person, I thought, who is this? Well, last week after church, this lady named Kathy came up to me and said, did they fit? And I thought, Oh my gosh, I almost started sobbing there. I waited until I got home because she doesn't know how much that meant to me. She says, I don't have granddaughters of my own. And I saw your Vera and I thought, I'm making her some dresses. 
Oh my gosh, she made my day. She has no idea on this side of heaven what that meant to me. So that's Kathy that God has sent to me. Miss Judy, she's one of our go team leaders in kids. And Miss Judy, my kids adore Miss Judy. In fact, today, she didn't even know I'm talking about her, but like as I'm walking out to go say hi to my kids in between services, Miss Judy comes in with a backpack for Franco and Vera, and she calls it like their snack pack. And just like she spends her money on my kids to get them all these special treats. Like they get here, and like, where's Miss Judy? Because she's gonna take care of me. They don't need mom, they need Miss Judy. Thank you, Lord, for meeting my needs at the local church. And then I think of Miss Sheila. And if you've come to church for any amount of time here, you know the Cole Groves, right? Like, yes, absolutely. Yes, Miss Sheila. Miss Sheila makes my kids Easter baskets. She's so thoughtful with how she takes care of Vera. My kids actually call her Mimi. She's the only Mimi that we have. And so I think of you, Miss Sheila, and you are a mama of our house. I adore you. I love you. Thank you for being a, like a mama to all of us. So I love you, and happy Mother's Day. <laughs> So I say all that to say, God wants to meet relational needs that you have. He's doing it for me in my own church. And so I just want to encourage you, if anybody's facing anything like that, get into a small group, get plugged into a go team, because we want to meet those needs relationally. If you would, would you turn to Deuteronomy 29 with me? Let's read from there. The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. I like it. The NIV says this, the secret things belong to the Lord. We're not accountable for them, but we and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. I love Deuteronomy. <laughs> Deuteronomy was actually written 40 years after the Israelites left Egypt. They'd been wandering the desert for 40 years, and this is when this book was written by Moses. And he wrote it as a restatement of the law. So all of these even young people who had left Egypt and were wandering in the desert, they're like grown now. They're 40 years old. Many of them have their own kids or maybe even grandkids. And so they made a lot of mistakes in those 40 years that they were wandering. And Moses is like, I got to rewrite this thing in a new, fresh way so that people understand how to have a good relationship with God. So think of it like the message, uh, verse or um, like any other type of interpretation of the Bible, uh, he's writing in a language that other people, the new generation, is going to understand, like a translation, I should say. So he restates the law in a new way that the new generation can understand. In Deuteronomy, it just means second law. So the secret things belong to the Lord. That's what we read. The secret things belong to the Lord. Moses is explaining to these people that even when you get to the promised land, we've been waiting so long for this, even when you get there, I just want to prepare you, you're going to have questions. You're, you're not going to have all of your questions answered. There's still going to be things that are going to have you scratching your head that you don't quite understand, but I'm forewarning you, don't be discouraged about that. Do what God's asked you to do, stick with the plan, even though you're going to have questions. And I used to read that and think it was questions like, um, okay, let's see, like, why do mosquitoes exist? Or, um, I don't know if you're like my husband who loves the ocean. I'm terrified. Like, ooh, I could cringe right now. I just want to run away thinking about the ocean. God, why did you make such scary things for such a beautiful scene? Like, I just, I don't understand. Why did you do it that way? Why do those scary things exist? And so I used to think it was those types of questions, you know, just things that don't really have an answer, that those were the secret things. And we can relate to that. I think many of us have our own version of freaky ocean creatures. God, why is, why is it like that? 
And, but when I was studying for this, I felt like God showed me a different vignette of what the secret things mean. See, God, he sees everything. He sees your beginning from your end, every step in between, like God sees it all. And there are secrets that God holds of ours. Some we wish he didn't know, some we wish others knew. There's things that we can't even really articulate, but like God can, and he sees our heart and he knows our secrets. God knows those things and they belong to him. And so I'm going to just say this to the moms, but really for everybody, if you're in here right now and you're like a mom or a parent and you're doing it right, whew, everything is important all at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Some, oh gosh, I could just shake thinking about it. Every, she knows everything is just important all at the same time. Everybody needs you all at the same time. And then once you start one thing, it lends to another thing, to another thing, to 15 things down the road, and then your first thing wasn't finished? Anybody, any other mom, you know, I'm, okay, thank you. That's what I'm looking for. Come on, participate. Yes, okay. So, whoa, sometimes we can just be left like, what's happening? Having such a draw on us physically and emotionally sometimes, it can leave us projecting our deficits onto the world that we're interacting with, our spouses, our families. It can make us project our deficits onto the Lord. And so I sometimes have found myself being like, oh, does anybody see what I'm going through? Do they have any idea all of the things I had to put together just to show up for church today? <laughs> did, did they know what I had to do? Can you guys relate to that? I've had several conversations with my kids actually about character because I'm preaching to myself, right? Guys, character is how you act when no one's watching, right? When there's no audience, when people aren't watching you make every step that you're doing character, your true self comes out when there's no recognition for what you're doing, which leads me to this Romans 5, 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been, who has been given to us. So, moms, every detail, every politic, every hard thing, every solution, every question that we've had to navigate and put together and figure out and produce something from, God sees it all. The right person is seeing every secret thing that you're dealing with that's making your head spin, that's making you wonder what is going on. Can anybody see me? God sees and he is the right person. And he hasn't called you to be stressed and depleted and anxious and depressed and just head spinning. He hasn't, he hasn't, he does not have that for you. But here's what we need to do. We need to have character, <laughs> have the character to trust God with those things in secret because he will repay you. Amen? Amen. Amen. So the book of Deuteronomy ends with this, and I hope it will, will encourage all of us. Deuteronomy 30, this is 19 through 20. Today... I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice right now. You can make it by loving the Lord your God, by obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. Check this out. This is the key to your life. And if you love and if you obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Would you bow your heads with me before we continue with this message today? 
Father, I thank you for the honor to gather today. I thank you for the ability to freely worship you. Worship was so wonderful. I thank you for the freedom that is, in, that is in this house, that you are setting people free to worship you bigger than anything else they worship during the week. When we come to New Chapel, we're going to worship big. I thank you for the freedom that is in this house. And Father, I know people are coming in here and they need a word from you. And God, I ask that Holy Spirit, just do your thing. Whatever they need to hear, they can silence me out or listen, whatever. But Holy Spirit, get that word to them in specific that they need to hear in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going to continue with our FAQ series, and we love this series. So many of you have texted in questions or emailed or just told us in person, like, here's what I have a question about. And so we were able to group this one. There were so many questions that came in like, uh, uh, what is God's plan for my life? How do I find it? Etc. And so we're going we're gonna to focus on that today. And let me just tell you that while there are as many plans for God's people as there are people on earth, this question can seem daunting. But it's not really, if we can just focus on how God purposing his people, how it all began. So the purpose God has on our lives, I want to just free some of you, it's not a mystery. It's not one of those things from Deuteronomy where the secret things belong to the Lord. No, thank God, your plan from God, that's not a secret. And so in fact, if I could break it down, we could really simple and sum it up like this, we'd be out of here in five minutes. And so I'm going to have them put it on the screen. I think we've got it for the screen. I'm going to read this to you and just let this, sink, let this wash over you. This is summing up what God's plan for our life is. God loves his kids. God wants us to take as many people with us to heaven because he wants his whole family to be with him. He wants us to reach out and save his kids who are on their way to hell. He uses each one of us, our strengths and our spheres of influence to bring the family back together. So here's a rapid way, real quick, here's just a rapid way to discover God's plan. I won't stop here, so don't be like, Kaya, that's not very deep or hard. I get it, but just let me do this rapid fire one. So first, have a desire for God's plan. Like, start there. When you have a desire for God's plan, what you do is you're saying, God, I give you permission to speak to me and tell me what you have for me. God is a gentleman. He is never going to push himself on you or plant ideas in your head unless you ask him, which puts it in your, your, on your plate. You have to ask. So have a desire for God's plan. Let's start there. Then you need to start with exactly where you're at. Don't try to bypass the process and jump a couple of steps. Just start where you're at right now. Where are you working? Where are you going to school? Where do you live? Start there. Unless the Lord's like already specifically spoken to you or given you a word about you know, leaving where you're at, stay. And I mean this, act like Jesus, just where you're at. Whatever you're doing, you need to act like Jesus. And if you're at work, this is either going to bring promotion, blessing to you, or if you're not in the right place, they'll probably just fire you anyways for acting like Jesus. Because For whatever reason, right? They'll probably just fire you anyways. So that's going to make your next step so easy. So just act like Jesus. Praise him. Okay. As you're living out your current job, going to school, your daily life, you need to be vocal and you actually have to ask God, what do you have for me today? Yeah. Who do you want me to talk to? What is your plan for me? These are such basic things, but we negate them because we think that's too easy. No, it's not. Just try it. <laughs> Just try it. It's going to work for you. But let's say you ask God those questions and you still have to go out into your workplace or your school and you don't have any of the answers still. 
I'm glad you asked. Even if you walk into your world having no idea the answer to anything you've asked God, the more that you act like Jesus, the more that you talk and ask him what he has for you, you open yourself up to hear his voice. Amen? Amen. 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 Like I said, I know you're looking for a little bit more than that. So let's get into it. (laughs) The title or position that you hold or look like you hold, it doesn't carry any weight unless you have credentials to back it up. Right? Like, I can go on Amazon and I can buy whatever costume I want and I can look whatever part I feel like. But if I don't have credentials to back that up, I'm just pretending. It doesn't mean I know actually how to do the job. In fact, I think of what I tell my kids sometimes. Um, I'm sure you guys can relate. We'll be like, Aurelio, you're the best Sheriff Dry Gulch has ever seen. And if you don't know about that, I'll tell you later. But anyways, he's the best sheriff we've ever seen. And Jack, he's just the man. He's four, he's going to be five, but he's brilliant, and he's going to change the world, and we're all going to work for him one day. Just ask us. And so we'll tell him, you're the boss. I mean, you just, you're the man, Jack. And then little Vera, ah, we love her. She's Elsa Knight. That that little girl, she knows how to dress like a princess and fight with a sword. Ooh, I like that. I like that. And so that's my Vera. We'll say that kind of stuff to her. And Frank, he's just the, he's a sweet pea. He's the king of the world. Oh, Frank, you're just the king of the world. We love you, buddy. And I think sometimes we come to church and we talk to our friends, we talk to our small group leader, and we get told things like this. You are a child of God. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is inside of you. You have the mind of Christ Jesus. You have the ability to heal with your hands. Your voice is anointed by God to set captives free, to reconcile God and man, that God has a plan for you. And we hear and we listen. And we think it's like being a little kid getting handed some obscure title, like you're the best sheriff in town. And it doesn't really mean anything because we don't believe that about ourselves. We say things to ourselves like, well, I don't know. I don't know how to be that. I don't even know how to do what they're talking about. That truth, that's just like really unfit for me. And even when we try to do like the right thing and go over those positive confessions and want to believe who God says we are, we just feel like fakes. We feel like phonies. And so we don't wear the truth very well. But today, God wants to tell you that I have qualified you for the title that I give you, that you're accredited through me. You hold your credentials with me, so it doesn't matter how you feel when anybody else says you are who I say that you are. He's the one who made you. He knows what you are capable of. And so to believe God and what he says about you, there's nothing more true that you could believe. What God says is the most true thing. But... Even in Christianity, we've allowed culture to shape us a little bit when it comes to our questioning of who and what God says that we are. Uh, I was driving home late the other night. I got to go to Meyer without my kids. Praise the Lord. Yes, these mommies know. Yes, it was so late. I was tired, but I got to walk down every aisle. I got to look at clearance. Woo, love it. I got to look at just anything I wanted. I took my time down every aisle. Okay, so it was very late. I closed down Meyer. And I, you know, you know. So I'm driving home, and there's not a lot of great stuff on the radio because it's pretty late, but I found the Christian, Christian station that came through, and I thought, you know what? I'm without my kids, so I can actually hear 
Okay, I'm going to listen to this. So a pastor was on, and he began talking about how, you know, back in the day, just decades ago, when a pastor or somebody said, the Bible says, that carried so much weight. It was enough. The Bible says, and that was enough. Billy Graham, he led so many people to the Lord because people wanted something better. They wanted God in their life. They were so hungry for it. So he said, the Bible says, that was enough period, done deal, obey, yes, I'll change, whatever you say, I want God's best. And God's best was enough to reconcile families together, to settle feuds. It was enough to change the icky parts of us that we don't like. The Bible was enough. Whew, nowadays, you say the Bible says, and it is met with, mm, I'll see about that. And I really need to think if that's how I interpret it or not. It's, it's met with disbelief and disregard. And people think, this is cute, they can actually have a say in who and what God has called them to be and do. Who would have thought? That's cute. Anyways, <laughs> to gain a title or recognition in the world, you, you being the key word, you have to prove your worth, right? Like if you, you have to negotiate your value, you have to account for why you are worthy. Do you have the resume? Do you have the clientele? Uh, do you have the portfolio? What do you have to prove that you are who you say that you are? Well, God created this world, but he doesn't work like that. But because he doesn't work like that, we sometimes have a hard time relating because we're so focused on proving our goodness, proving our worthiness to him. And at the end of the day, we don't always have proof we can do what he's called us to do. Uh, we don't always measure up to what he's called us to do. And while the world is looking at our certificates and our frames, our families, our cars, our wallets, God, in his creator worldview, he looks past all the things that the world gets stumped on, and he goes back to the moment he purposed you in your mother's womb. So While he was knitting every cell together and commanding your organs and your defining features to be, he found joy. Can you imagine this? God found joy in every hiccup. Like, when I was pregnant, those would make me laugh because it's like, what's happening? Yeah, that made God laugh too. Your hiccups, your smile, in every kick, in every thumb suck, and even cry. God found joy in that while you were in your mother's womb. While he watched you grow, he could see your whole life playing out like a movie before his eyes. While he watched you form, he could see where you would be strong and where you would be weak. He could see who would you need in your life. Who are they going to need to be their friends? He could see what color you would like. He knew what song would be your favorite, even if it's not a Christian one. He could see. He knew what song it would be. He knew what would bring you joy, and he also knew every time that he was going to have to carry you through because life got hard. He saw it all. And for somebody who has seen those types of things about us, we're very quick to blow off who he says we are. Very quick to not think, maybe he has a different perspective than me. But you can see why it's different, right? Because he knows things about you that your parents don't know. He knows things about you that no one knows. He's seen things that no one else had because he had a hand in creating it. Like, he saw your personality before it was ever portrayed. That's crazy. He saw your quirks before they were ever annoying everybody else. Like, he saw it. He saw your talents before you ever got the chance to boast about them. He saw it. 
And at the same time, while he is seeing every facet of who you are, he can see your heartbeat. He can watch your fingers form. Wow. It's why we have to trust his perspective above any other. We see in our real world how many people are unfit for the title that they carry. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Thank you. I know what church this is, right? So, okay. Unfit for the title they carry. So we lose faith in titles. We lose faith in who people say they are, and we lose faith in who people say we are. But when it comes to God, we know the one. We know the one who is telling us the truth. He knows what we can do because he has already seen our future doing different perspective. Okay, Kaya, how do we know if we're on the right track? I'm glad you asked. I remember, uh, I remember being 19 years old and God had called me to Tulsa, Oklahoma to go to Bible school. And uh, my mom, I mentioned earlier, my mom's been in heaven since I was about 24. And so at the time she was really ill before I had left. And so just naturally, I don't really want to go anywhere. I kind of want to stay home. I, I don't want to leave my family. I don't want to be out of my comfort zone, but I knew I had to obey. So I'm in Bible school, and I have no idea why I'm there, thinking like, okay, I don't, I don't know how God's going to use this. I don't want to preach. Uh, what do you go to Bible school for? Obedience. <laughs> so I went for obedience. And so I remember one of the days I was just feeling really lonely. I wanted to go home, and our professor said, okay, God has something for you today. In fact, God wants to speak to each and every one of you and give you a life verse, something that you're going to be able to carry with you for the rest of your life. I'm thinking, like, I just learned how to read my Bible, like, right. How do I hear a scripture that's going to, like, last for the rest of my life, have that much of an impact? That's a lot. But bless my heart, I thought, I'm going to obey. And I'm going to just honor what this man of God says, and I think I, can, I think I can get that. So he said, everybody, grab your Bibles, and I want you to get spread out. Don't talk to anybody. Go by yourself. Find a quiet spot. And God is going to speak. And so I opened up my Bible, and I'm, th I'm just... Anybody else getting anything kind of looking around like, I don't know. Am I doing it right? You know, I just keep flipping. I'm just flipping through my Bible. Yeah, that, I'm a pastor's kid. My dad just said from the front row, you know, we all have to learn for ourselves sometimes. So I'm, I'm scrolling, scrolling through this Bible, and I'm like, Lord, I need you to speak because I believe you have this for me, and I need to know. I need to know because I don't even know why I'm here. And at the very top of one of the pages, the scripture jumped out to me. And I'm sure I had read it a hundred times before, but I knew this was my scripture. This was my life verse. It found me at a time where I was confused, far away from home. I wanted God so desperately, but just didn't know what to do. Wanted to please him, but didn't know. And so I want to share this scripture with you today, and I think it's going to help all of us. It's Philippians 2:13. God is working in you and through you, giving you the desire and the ability to do his will. I'm going to read it again. It's so good. God is working in you. He's working through you. He's giving you both the desire and the ability to do his will. Whew. Number one, God is working in you and through you. You know, God could use anything to get things done but he wants to use you. He wants it. He chose at creation to partner with man. Like he chose, he saw us and was like, yes, be fruitful and multiply. I like this. I want more of this. God in the beginning 
if we look back at creation, you know, God's plan was never a thought, a suggestion, or maybe I should do this. God spoke in commands. He says, uh, let there be. And then there was. Every time he let there be and there was, God says to creation and it obeys. But before the creation of man, you know, God was able to sustain what he had created. He didn't need us. He was able to make uh, fruit-bearing trees, things that people could eat. He was able to grow that on his own. He had streams and rivers flowing in such a way that if anything needed to be watered, it was that it didn't necessarily need man. But it was him that made all of those things. It was God who made all of the animals. Like, God didn't need help before he made Adam. Can we agree on, like, God didn't need help? It wasn't him. But do you know what happened? As soon as God made Adam, he wanted to involve him. Like I said, he looked at him and he's like, I want more of you. So he takes what he creates and he gives it to Adam and he's like, work the land. Figure out cool ways to make things grow, make different plants. And here's all these animals that I created. Can you name them for me? Wow. He thought it was better with Adam. Following the creation of man came purpose and plans. I want you to write this down. When we are a Christian, we can't escape the command that is beating in our heart because we're connected to our creator. He's guiding us towards our call, but his voice commands a response of obedience. Number two, God is giving you desire to do his will. Genesis 2.15 the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man. Like he gave him instruction, eat this, don't eat this, do this, don't do that. Let me make it very simple. God's commands are his will. And he lets us know about them freely. God's commands are his will. Philippians 2.13 like I said, I used to, or well, that was my life verse that I believe God gave me that to this day, every other day, almost every day, I'm confessing that over my life over and over and over again, meditating on that. But I used to confess the scripture over myself, and I used to think that not only is God going to give me the ability to do everything that he's called me to, I'm actually going to want to do it. Everything he calls, I'm going to want it, because his word says he's given me the desire and the ability, right? So I was meditating on it, and here's what I found. Sometimes... That ain't right. <laughs> it's not, I don't always want to do what God's called me to do. do you, can anybody relate to that? I don't. I'm telling you what, since nine years ago planning this church, I have lived outside of what I feel is like what I'm good at, what I'm comfortable with. It's like I feel like I have to live outside of myself. I don't do everything that I want to do because I want to. But here's, here's the difference. I have been given the desire to please God in everything that I do. So when I don't want to do what he's asked, my desire to please him and to honor him, it supersedes every feeling that I have about, ooh, my comfort zone or what my preference is. Amen? So, yes, it's enough. God's going to use that, that desire to please him and to honor him. It's going to produce the right stuff in your life. So hear me, it means that you may not particularly like what he has asked you to do. But having the desire to honor God, it's going to be enough to push through inadequacy, adver adversity, and you're going to experience God's best. Doing God's commands leads to his will for your life. Do his commands and it will lead to his will for your life. Number three, God is giving you the ability to do his will. 
Like, you can do what he's called you to do. Uh, when I read the Bible, I realize, do you know that Adam didn't go to MSU and study agriculture? Right? He didn't study zoology. I said in first service, he's the OG zoologist. Okay? Like, that's who he was. But he didn't have training. He didn't go to school for that. And that boggles my mind. How? How did he know what to do without being qualified for that? How did he know? And I reread through Genesis, and there's no account of God telling him every single little thing to do or how to work the land and name animals. There's no um, record of that. But God gave it to him. And here's what I found, that just like creation knew how to respond. Remember how I said, God said, let there be, and there was. Just like creation knowing how to become who God had said through that command, that's how it is when we hear the call of God on us. God was working through Adam. When God has a plan for us, our natural abilities, they do come into play. Although some things that he's asking us to do, they may not come naturally or easily, the Holy Spirit, he graciously gives us the ability to sometimes do what we don't want to do, to take each next step, each next step. And believe it or not, those steps begin to feel natural to us. Think about Adam. He had no history with animals. He's seeing animals for the first time. Like, I saw a giraffe for the first time one time. I almost fell over. I'm thinking they're that big for real. Like, you know, imagine me and Adam. Like, it's crazy. But they feel natural because you're doing it with the Lord. In the natural, you will not always be qualified for what God is calling you to do. But you can do what he is calling you to do. From the beginning of creation, the enemy has always used deception and deceit to keep us away from the voice of God, and he uses other voices in our lives to do that. Twisted truth and little, like, white lies, things that just, you almost can't even, oh, that wasn't that bad, that bad of a lie. You know, a snake wasn't scary to Adam and Eve. They named other animals that crawled on their bellies. It wasn't like, oh, what's that scary thing? You know, we read, and I remember Aurelio hearing the story about Adam and Eve, and the picture of that serpent scared the fire out of him. He was like, I, I don't like that story. I never want to hear about Adam and Eve ever again. We're past that now. But, like, that serpent was not scary to them. The enemy will use things that seem familiar, that seem normal, to twist the truth and to keep you away from God. Listening to the wrong voice and allowing influence in your life that doesn't follow God's best, it's going to separate you from the will of God, from God's best, from his plan, as seemingly innocent as it may appear. Just like eating fruit's no big deal. But the wrong voice can lead you down a path that's going to separate you from God. So maybe while I'm talking, you're picturing somebody in your head. Maybe you're thinking of somebody. Here's a very friendly reminder. Get new friends. Get new friends. Yes. If it's a family member, I understand that one. <laughs> if it's a family member, don't have a placeholder for God in your life. There's one good God for you, and it's God himself. And so anybody trying to be God for you, you need to cut out that voice. No placeholders. Listen to the Lord. Because here's the thing. I really want you to hear that still, small voice. It's a still small voice that you have to be apt to hear. You have to be listening for it. But for some of you, you can't hear that because you've got some really, really loud voices talking your ears off. So figure that out and stop it. Say la. <laughs> 
Now onto something happier. I'm just kidding. <laughs> when you respond to the voice of God in your life, though, it's going to produce good things. Yes. People around you are going to notice and they're going to affirm, which helps them lead you to other godly things. And godly decisions lead to godly decisions from glory to glory. Godly results, they produce motivation to continue doing the things that God is asking you to do. I told you that I was in Bible school wondering how God was going to work everything out because I really didn't know what God's plan was there. See, I grew up being called Dr. Kaya. I had always planned to be in the medical field somewhere. Um, I took medical classes in high school, any medical thing I could get my hands on. I, I became an EMT basic when I was a senior in high school. And when it came time to figure out what my major was, what I was supposed to major in, nothing resonated with me. I remember like looking through all of their brochures because it was like before digital stuff. And so I'm like looking through all these brochures and I'm like, nothing in here is for me. But I had really good grades and I was a good student and so I essentially had a full ride to Grand Valley and I was getting money every semester, which was kind of nice. And so I kept, praise the Lord, that was nice. But I have to tell you, I had, I had a holy unrest because it wasn't where I was supposed to be. And like I said to you guys earlier, you know, sometimes you're going to be living your daily life out, just where you're at. And so where I was at was Grand Valley, and I had a holy unrest, so I just started asking questions like, God, what do you have for me? Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? So I kept going to Grand Valley until I heard the answer. And when I heard the answer, that's when I moved. That's when I decided that, okay, it's time for me to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma to go to Bible school. And I remember that wasn't popular with everybody because people put themselves in my position and were like, oh, you've got it made. Oh, you're so lucky. Yeah, except I have no peace. And so, big whoop. So, when I went to Bible school, this is so funny, I still didn't know what God's plan was because I have to tell on myself, I was the girl in Bible school that would lie and fake sick if you ever called on me. to Like, we were required to write messages. And I'm like, I'm never going to preach. Never. I don't want to raise my hand and say my name, let alone like, what's your favorite color? And you know, all those weird questions you get asked. It's like, none of it. I don't want to talk. And so I remember getting called on and they'd be like, okay, it's time for you, Kaya, to come and give your message. And I'm like, I'm sick. I left it at home. Like before you, it was everything was on your phone, right? Like I'm before all of that. So like, that was me. No, I'm not, I don't even know why God has me in Bible school. Like I don't know what I'm doing here. But even though I didn't know everything I was called to do, I knew where I was supposed to be right then and there. I knew my next step. I never imagined all that God had for me. But one decision following God leads to another decision following God. And so my husband and I got married. And then we got our first job in ministry at an awesome church in Tulsa. Then we became youth pastors near Detroit. And then God called us to Grand Rapids to plant New Chapel. That's how God leads. Yes, hallelujah, that's how God leads, natural, natural, step after step after step, and while I was stepping, remember what that scripture in, in Philippians says, God is working in me and through me, giving me both the desire and the ability to do his will, I felt desires changing, I felt my abilities changing, I'm thinking like, okay, maybe I could do that, but step after step after step, God was working. So friend, God is working in you and through you. He is giving you the desire and the ability to do his will. His plan, it's going to satisfy you. You know, I think back to, I pictured myself being in the medical field, and honestly, as a kid, I thought, I want to pray for people. 
I want to lay my hands on the sick and have them be healed. That's what I want. I want to get my hands on people and heal them and show them the love of God. And I thought medical field. But isn't it funny, you fast forward and God knows better than us. Now I get to stand at altars and pray for people to be healed in their bodies. Thank you, Lord, for your healing. Some of you need that today, and he has it for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power right now. You don't even know you need it, but God has it for you. Thank you, Lord. We get to be here and pray for healing in people's bodies, for families to be reconciled to God, for relationships to be restored. I get to go to hospitals and pray for people. I get to have small groups where we are praying together, fervently believing God for breakthrough. See, my hands, I still get to use them, but it blows my mind how I get to use them now. It was never what I had ever imagined, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. God's plan for your life will use natural abilities. He's going to satisfy you. It's not going to be something wild that you don't, you can't wrap your mind around. No, it's going to satisfy you. Hallelujah. God thought you were capable of the world. So he gave his only son to this world for you. If you don't know his son Jesus, you're going to get the opportunity to do so today. We're all as a church going to say a prayer And I want to give you the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Because I know, like all of us, we have this beat in our heart. We want purpose. But if you're trying to do that on your own, you're going to miss it. You won't be satisfied. But if you will accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're going to be connected to not only the creator of the universe, the creator of your soul, the creator of your purpose. And when you're connected with him, that's when you're going to find what you're looking for. So if you would, would you bow your heads with me? We're going to pray this prayer as a church together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sins so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Put your spirit in me. I receive all of what you have for me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you celebrate with me? Yes. Would you give it up for my bride? What an awesome message. Wow. We needed that. We needed that, everybody. Now, if you did make the decision today to accept Christ, we're so excited for you. And and you might have heard us talk earlier in the service about the connection card. If you would be willing grab one of those and check the box that says, I accepted Christ. Just a couple lines of info. I want to send you a note talking about next steps that God has for you in your faith. God has big things, and as we like to say around here, the least of which is to fill out that card. One more time, let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Great job. You can stand up on your feet all over the room. What a great day. I love it when my wife preaches. Not only is it a week off, everybody, from the pulpit, but 
Kaya's River runs deep, and we needed that for sure. Uh, just a friendly reminder, on the 29th, we are having that newcomer's reception. And then during every service, 9 and 11, we have New Chapel Connect. So if you want to find out more about New Chapel and how we can partner with you, serve you and your family, jump into any one of those any week, and it'd be our honor to be able to serve you. Let me pray for you real quick. Don't forget, my gosh, is it that bad when I preach? I'm just saying. Don't forget, as we leave today, there are flowers out there for you and all the moms. Last year, I left with like 20 flowers in my trunk, and so Kaya kind of liked it. It was overwhelming for me, just to be honest. And so take, take as many as you like, grab those tea things, and make sure you get a picture on that couch with the whole family. Your mom might not even ask for it. She's hinting. They do that. It's like Morse code, but different. I'm just helping. Uh, if you would raise your hand for the blessing, let's pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, have a great week.